to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 7, Episode 7, which is entitled Rescue Me. The episode aired on November 23rd in the year 2000. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Two Hollywood weddings of interest occur. Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones tie the knot on 11-18, and a few days later on 11-24... Director-slash-actor John Favreau marries physician Joya Tillam. Both couples are still together to this day. you love to see it. Daniel turns 11 this week. Woohoo! Happy birthday, Daniel. Um, Thanksgiving really brings out the Christmas spirit in moviegoers as Ron Howard's live-action adaptation of the Dr. Seuss book How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey, Anthony Hopkins... And Jeffrey Tan... Wait, Anthony Hopkins was in that? He's he's listed... He's gets second. He's listed second as the narrator. Oh, okay, the narrator. That makes Maybe, sense. Maybe, yeah. Uh, and Jeffrey Tambor debuts and takes the box office crown. That movie should not be as campy and fun as it is. Just saying. Jim Carrey knew exactly what movie he was in. Still, I've oh, never God. seen it. That's one of those... I think that might be one of those generational difference things of, like, if you're a couple years... Uh, older than Lauren or a few years older than Lauren I feel like you have a much different opinion of that movie than probably Lauren and everybody younger than Lauren like that movie that movie hits very differently for people a little bit older than us like I I know that's one of them like it's obviously night and day compared to uh, Cat in the Hat which was a truly atrocious adaptation of Dr. Seuss Uh, this one at least has some redeeming quality to it but uh, it uh, is not not well loved by people a little bit older than us I remember it fondly, Lizzie. We'll have to watch it this year so you can dump on it and decide you hate it. Do we have to? I would like to. If you say I'm going to hate it, why would I, I don't? I don't actually movie? know you'll hate it. I'm bracing myself for you anyway. to be disappointed. Creed clearly should have prayed harder to the music gods as, with arms wide open, surrenders to the number one spot on the music charts to Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One Where Chandler Doesn't Like Dogs. Uh, at, for the first time ever since we started keeping track of what uh, what was on on a particular evening, we have a blank in the schedule. Uh, the source that I use uh, had nothing entered for 8.30, and usually if something's going to run for an hour, it'll extend the box out for a full hour. So I don't think the Friends episode was a full hour. Uh, so at 8.30, I got no fucking clue. If you were watching NBC on November 23rd of the year 2000, uh Shout us out. Let us know what was going on at 8.30 Eastern time that night, because I got no fucking idea compare, uh, looking at my uh, sources. So it'll just always be a mystery. Uh, but at 9 o'clock, Will and Grace with the episode Lowe's in the mid-80s. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode The First Thanksgiving. This week's episode had 25.8 million viewers tuning in, uh, down almost a full 5 million from last week's episode. Well, so. it, it, this is on Thanksgiving is when this episode... True, that is true, yeah. That the, that makes a good point, yeah. Uh, which begs the question, why didn't they just take the week off? Like, it's not like no it's... Idea. It's not like it's not been in their, uh, you know, wheelhouse maybe, to, to take a week off around a holiday. Maybe or they just thought random. Pe- Maybe they thought people would be home and would be sleepy and maybe would yeah. tune in anyway. Who let's knows? Watch, let's watch Mark get a brain tumor with the family. Right? Spoilers. And it's such an uplifting episode, too. Uh, but uh, this week's episode is directed by Chris Chulock, doing his 19th out of 43. Uh, last time we saw him was The Storm Part 2. So it has oh, been wow. a 
good long while since the last time we saw Chris. Uh, and written by Neil Baer, doing his 18th out of 18, closing out his run as a uh, regular writer on the show. Uh, some highlights of his uh, from over the years included Middle of Nowhere, Who's Happy Now, Helen Highwater, and Blizzard, among many, many others the man didn't miss very often. Like he, If you look at his uh, list of episodes on IMDb, he, he uh, wrote a lot of really good episodes, so... And we are brought in with our previously on. It's Luca this time. Is this the first time we've had Luca? It might be. And as I was watching, as I was watching, I had to listen to it twice because Same. I I had a weird moment where I was like, did they let Anspa do a previously on ER? <laughs> like, like it sounded like Anspa's voice either drunk or slowed down. And then I was like, no, 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 that's Luca. Yeah, I had a couple times this episode where I had to pause and rewind stuff just because I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I just did not process this week um but we start off truly with benton singing and signing wheels on the bus with reese at it's adorable a, it, at jackie's house this is such a good reese episode so, oh, just, so mm. much good reese it's good reese for the soul uh jackie comes down and starts making breakfast benton tries to dote on her and take care of her uh she tells benton to have thanksgiving over with cleo because she sure as hell isn't doing a big dinner at the house yeesh and she just kind of is kind of freezing Peter out a little bit here. Understandably. Mm-hmm. 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 She's going through some shit. There's a, there's layers going on here, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we go over to the Corday Green household where Corday is looking for some Tylenol. Mark says he took the last two. See, this is why you should be like our house. And because I take them <laughs> a lot, just have like giant, like 500 Costco-sized packs of them. Yep. 500 caplet bottles of them. So you never run out, really. Uh, but Corday is not looking too well. She has no appetite. Hmm, wonder could that, what that could be. But Mark is grilling filet mignon for Thanksgiving. I mean, Lizzie, does, Lizzie if, does question this. If given the choice, like if somebody, like especially if I don't have to do the work, like if somebody wants to cook steaks for Thanksgiving dinner instead of like, let's be honest, kind of dry ass overrated turkey, then like, I'm okay with it. Like, it's fine. Turkey's fine. I'm not mad at it. But like, steak or turkey? <laughs> Give me steak. Who who has cooked your turkeys? Who hurt you? Just saying. I'm just saying. Not as not as bad as the time I almost poisoned us. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. That's okay. Everyone has their oopsie doodle, and we'll never forget to look for a gizzard bag ever again. I looked for it. It was still just frozen in, so I thought it wasn't in there. Lesson learned. I found it after the fact. And even, even happier news, Corday has gotten served papers because she's being sued for malpractice. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Everyone's winning. Oh, boy. And then we go over to uh, Maggie and Abby uh, in the car. And Maggie is pleading with Abby, uh, making all sorts of promises, promising to keep, take, keep taking her meds. And can't she just stay through the weekend? And turns out Abby is sending her to the bus station to send her back to Florida and that she needs to look for a new job and drops her off in the pouring rain, which is going to be a recurring theme throughout this episode, uh, the pouring rain uh, at the Greyhound station. And uh, Maggie, as she's leaving, says to Abby, I love you, to which she is given no response. Ice cold this episode, Abby is. Ice cold twinkles? (laughs) Yeah, boy, boy. As much as I love the twinkles, I'm I'm loving the twinkle renaissance we're having in season seven. 
Uh, but I would most definitely have given this one a bang. I don't know. Twinkles felt <laughs> tonally inappropriate given uh, everything that we got in the first couple of minutes there. Um, but in any event, we come out of the intro uh, to Benton and Reese in the lounge with Cleo. Uh, and we get just, okay, Reese is on 10 this whole episode. Like, my man earned his money this week because <laughs> the, the little, like, the signing back and forth with Cleo a plus the hug of Benton where he then pulls away from the hug. And then as, as Benton is talking to Cleo, he's like, I'm just going to hug him again. And he goes in and like gives him an even bigger hug than the one he just gave him. And it was just like this child tre- <laughs> protect this child at all costs. Like fuck baby Yoda. Like, can we have the Mandalorian with baby Reese? <laughs> 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 because I love this child. He is great. He would just uh, commit significantly less frog people genocide. Right, exactly. We don't, we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that. It could, sure. could be ducky genocide. Who knows? Uh, but in any event, we find out Benton is going to be meeting Cleo's parents tonight. Ugh. Always fun. Uh, Carrie is complaining about Chen and Carter being late due to the storm. Right on cue, they roll in. Uh, Kovach is the attending on call, and Mark will be in an hour. And are you ready for the gay panic episode, folks? Woo! There's, there's so much going on in this episode. Oh, Jesus, that was this episode. God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kim compliments Carrie on her contacts, because Carrie is notably not wearing glasses right now. So, um, And apparently a delusional patient is just carrying a turkey around. Yep, that he rescued from his neighbors. Yep. I want to note... We don't get to see the turkey get plucked, though, which is a crucial element that I feel like was missing. Nope. And I want to know... Uh, what was it? see? I was gonna say make a joke about how my week has been going, and this is just an illustration of how my week has been going right here. So fuck this. Where's Tag when you know? There's uh, the joke. No, that wasn't where I was going with it. It was oh, um, as an illustration of how my week was going. Before we got ready to record, I asked Lizzie, "What episode is this we're talking about?" We just watched this last night. <laughs> Two nights ago. I I have I have, just fuck. fuck last fuck, night was fuck. wrestling. Two nights ago. We watched this two nights ago. Time doesn't exist. This week just... What happens next? Uh, Abby apologizes to Carrie for Maggie's behavior when she finally gets in to admit. And um, Luca and Abby awkwardly talking in Trauma 1. This is one of those conversations that makes Jake think they have no chemistry. And it's like, no, they are trying to navigate a shared trauma. Right? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're trying to make dinner plans on Thanksgiving. And they're like, oh, we could go to Doc's. And they're like, well, that's not... That nothing more depressing than that and Abby offers to cook at her place and then they are interrupted by a 30 year old male being wheeled in he had a bike accident and the bike is mangled and stuck to him yikes Jesus this, Christ you want to talk about great props work this yeah week? holy shit this looks gnarly as fuck mm-hmm. yep uh, just the episode description this week. Gnarly as fuck. Nothing yeah. else. Um, but as as he's being unloaded from the ambulance, we see Maggie running back in via the ambulance bay as the trauma is rolling in. And uh, she gets splattered with blood as they're rolling him down the hallway. And then the very next shot, which is a longer shot down the hall, she's absolutely clean. Sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. There she's actually clean for the rest of this shot. Yeah, she is. Uh, and I feel like the food at Doc's must be truly terrible because everybody agree- like everybody like 
anytime the the idea of going over to eat at Doc's is brought up, everybody always reacts the exact same way. I'm just like, Ugh. which to me, the idea of eating diner food on Thanksgiving, if I had no other choice, sounds great. Like I, yeah, I would be totally fine reasonable. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they have pie. So the, the food over there must be truly, truly awful. Uh, but we go for now, we go from there over to Carter working with his first patient here, a suture, uh, suture patient, Mr. Floria, uh, who is complaining about knee pain too. He fell off a curb and cut himself on a bottle of wild turkey, which at first, <laughs> at first he, Carter is under the impression that he was carrying a turkey when he fell and cut himself. Uh, but that makes it a little bit more sense once he knows I mean, about the wild there turkey. was a man carrying a, tur- a literal turkey through the could yard have, not too long ago. Could so have been, you know, knows? could have been a rash of that going around. Uh, this is his third time in here this week, and he mentions that he's allergic to Percocet. And uh, they both, I believe Connie's the one in there with Carter on this one, and uh, they both kind of give him give him some guff about being possibly drug-seeking and uh, just kind of just generally being shitty to him, especially in Carter's position. Like, it's like, my dude, you were just in rehab for drug addiction. Maybe get off your high horse just a little bit. Um, okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying this story really sucks, uh, yeah. and I don't want to uh, bring the mood down too much, but I did feel compelled to get into it. Um, are, you, are you guys aware of this? this what this gets into? Oh, sorry. We, we thought you meant the storyline here. No, I'm, talk, I'm talking about what happens to the actor. No. Um, okay, so you may have noticed as you got through your watch this episode, at the end of the episode, this episode is uh, in memory of Anthony Lee. Well, uh, Anthony Lee uh, is the guy playing Mr. Floria here. Uh, For the first time, I think, ever, maybe, certainly up until now, and maybe the first time in the entire history of the show, we have an actor who passed away between filming the episode and when the episode aired. Um, Yeesh. And it was not great circumstances, let's just say that. Oh, no. Uh, So our, our Mr. Floria here, Anthony Lee, uh, he appeared in stuff like Liar Liar, uh, coming soon to a movie review near you, uh, American Strays, and NYPD Blue. Very much a, like, you know, kind of not not that remarkable guy. Like, just sort of, like, I, I definitely knew who he was in Liar Liar once I once I Googled him and figured out w- what was going on with this. Um, is but he a judge? No, he is the, one of the other partners in Jim Carrey's law firm. The, mm. the He talks to the kind of the bitchy woman at one point. He has a very distinctive voice in that movie. So I'll, I'll point him out when we do the movie review. Um, but so this, this is obviously a Thanksgiving episode. It's airing in late November. They obviously filmed this episode about a month ago. So like late October, uh, because, uh, Anthony here went to a Halloween party on Halloween night, uh, dressed as some kind of like cowboy situation. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, there was a noise complaint in the neighborhood and LAPD showed up and saw our friend here, uh, with a fake gun, total prop gun, like fake gun on his hip through a, through a glass window, uh, and shot him, uh, I think five or six times, um, and tried to claim, they tried to claim on the police report that he had aimed the gun at them and that's why they fired on him. Um, only problem with that is that like most of the shots that hit him were in the back of his head and his back. So yeah, there was a lot of lawsuits and like they settled out of court and all this other shit, but like, yeah, this is fucked up. This is like, this can't keep happening. Yeah. Like dude was in 
it was a it, it was a like condo complex so like dude was inside of a building like inside of a home it was like him and like three other actors were like standing around having a conversation at a halloween party and he gets shot through a window by lapd like that sucks um so you know yeah. i'm just gonna say we may want to um put a warning in front of that when we talk about it i don't know i'm not sure if it would be triggering for any listeners you can cut this out if you disagree but yeah. we may want to put some kind of yeah disclaimer on that. that was that was sort of what i was getting at with this story sucks <laughs> but yeah uh but, but yeah uh so uh, by far the weirdest uh tangent i have ever gone down uh when it comes to like an oh hey it's that guy in an episode like holy shit and i can't imagine anything's gonna top that ever again uh but yeah, i was sort of like peripherally aware of that incident having happened i just didn't realize that it was this guy and that he ever was on er so that's not that's great bob so- that's so fucked up. That's so fucking tragic. Yeah. So, I don't know how we transitioned out of that. Good luck, Lizzie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Spe- guess... speaking of messes, that uh, sure, <laughs> sure we'll go with that. Uh, Maggie's asking for a bag for her dirty clothes, wearing scrubs. She, uh, she's wearing scrubs. A woman comes in asking about the man from the bike accident, and oh, Maggie God. Maggie leads her over to the trauma because Randy stepped away, and she looks like she works there. And, because, you know, she's in the scrubs. And Lydia's running blood into the trauma. And Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, dude's name is Jim Eakins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a big neck laceration and a foreign body down the cords. And they pull the gauze from his neck wound through to his through his mouth. Pro- oh, is that Lydia? That's... Yeah, they're trying to pack the... Trying, they're trying to, like, pack down... Stop the bleeding on the neck wound, but then, yeah. Luca, when when Luca goes to innovate, yeah. Which fuck props really just said fuck it. We're going all in this week. Like we're we are doing all of our shit. We're gonna get we all our sp- shit. We gotta in. spend that budget while we have it. Oof. And yeah, the whole time Maggie starts when she Maggie starts talking to that woman, I'm like the whole time I was like, stop it, stop it. Do not talk to this. You don't work there. Stop. Like with the scrubs and everything, you could just see the bad road that this was going down. And I was like, no, 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 no. Please stop. Yeah, Lizzie. This whole episode was just like no. <laughs> um, but then Abby steps out to get a new set of paddles for the patient, and she sees Maggie and just kind of freezes. And we learned that the woman who was asking about Jim was actually the woman who hit him with her car. Oofta. Fun times, and even more fun times as we go to our first audio clip here. Uh, Romano is chastising Lizzie about the lawsuit. No good deed goes unpunished. I step in, I clean up your mess, and I end up named in your lawsuit. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, sorry isn't going to save your ass or mine. I take full responsibility for what happened. How noble of you! The guy's a gimp. He walks in here with a little bit of a backache, and he's going to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. You have any idea how that's going to play before a jury? Not well. Not well? When his lawyers get through with you, you'll be lucky if you're slinging fish and chips back in England. Robert, I thought the procedure had gone smoothly. Oh, well, it was a screaming success if your desired outcome was paralysis. I'll talk to risk management. I'll make certain you're not implicated. Why it? Are you almost through? One minute, love. Do not talk to risk management. Do not discuss this case with anyone. Am I clear? Yes. Surfer. Couldn't be just some fat-ass couch potato, no. And don't even think about paging me during the weekend. Ready, Nikki? 
Let's go. Those were antacids he was shoving down his gullet there oh at the end. Understandable. I just love so many of those lines. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's just a, a good, a, like, if you needed one minute to sell somebody on why Romano can be a funny villain, like, I, I that's that's a good scene to give right there. Oh, well, if the desired outcome was paralysis, I'd say it was a screaming success. <laughs> It's just it's like and it's not even just the words it's the it's the way he's moving and the like he gives excellent face acting there like I just mm, love it oh boy so Lizzie's normal one continues uh, but we go from there down to uh, back in the trauma where Jim is still in V-fib no luck uh, with shocking to get him to a stable rhythm and they finally just call it and Luca calls time of death and goes to tell the woman who hit Jim that he died which feels like a violation of HIPAA. Like, she is not related to this person at all. Like, there's no... Or feels like they should have police. Right. Yeah. It just feels... While they do that. Right. It just... Like, I get what they're... I get where Luke is coming from by telling her that, but just, just like... They ask if there's any family, and everybody's like, no, just the lady who hit him. And I'd be like, oh, well, that sucks for her, but, like, I'm not going to go tell her anything because she's not his fucking family. Like, HIPAA exists. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Maggie is consoling her, holding the woman's baby, and then soothing her as she weeps. And this was another moment where I was like, better than the last one. You're not, you're not giving out information that you shouldn't. But I did sort of feel like she was overstepping the uh, soothing boundary here, where it was like, she, she was almost like her lawyer at a certain point. Like mm-hmm. she was like, you did nothing wrong. Like just call it. No, yeah, you, you didn't, didn't. You didn't see him. It's- right. Like it was just like Maggie, shut the fuck up. Just That's please still, shut up. What's it? Probably, manslaughter. Yeah, probably still some form of involuntary Negligent, manslaughter. Vehicular, Negligent vehicular homicide. All the all those words that Jake knows. Jake get paid gets paid to know the definition of. Being Chicago, it's probably the person who probably only got a ticket, but because that's how much we care about bikers here in this city. But Oof. anyway. Oof. And Luca goes out and finds Abby out in the ambulance bay smoking and asks, uh, what is going on with Maggie? And uh, they make awkward small talk about the rain. She does uh, say a very specific line here, which she's talking about the rain, but you could read it as she's talking about Maggie, where she has mm. you wonder if it's ever going to stop. Mm. And it's <laughs> it's one of those lines, like, and, and somebody points it out in the listener responses, and it's definitely, I think, worth mentioning. It's one of those, like, just cutesy little lines that works very well. Um, and then we see Carter taking Mr. Floria up to X-ray. So, and then next up, a woman shows up looking for Chen. Randy directs her to chairs. And this is Maggie at the most awkward. Mm-hmm. Just, I cringed and wanted to turn 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 off Hulu while we were doing this. <laughs> because Maggie mentions that, oh yeah, Chen's the cute pregnant one. Uh-huh. And then... Mama Chen sees Jing Mei with the baby belly. I want to be like over her shoulder doing the the Steve Carell thing of like waving his hands and like shaking his head, doing the throat slash thing of like, no, stop, 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 Maggie. But, ma- but mom does invite uh, Chen to Thanksgiving dinner, so Carter pulls her to uh, into an exam one. That kind of Carter pulls her into exam one as a sort of escape. Mm. Who plays Mrs. Chen here? 
Mrs. Chen is played by actress Nancy Kwan, who appeared in stuff like The World of Susie Wong, Wonder Women, not Wonder Woman, Wonder Women, uh, and Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And this is her only appearance, which leads me to question, are we going to recast Mrs. Chen later on down the road, or mm. or do we only ever see uh, Mr. Chen? Because uh, I know we're going to do stuff with we, Chen's dad down I was going to say, we see, we see a significant amount of Chen's dad. Yeah, but I can't... Not significant, but like... A, enough uh, yeah there's a whole storyline with him but like i just don't remember if we if her mom is involved in that or not but th- this particular actress this is her only appearance as mrs Chen. no she's not because remember the car accidents vaguely oh it happened it, spoiler alert for i think <laughs> next season sometime she uh they go back to china yeah and uh, okay, the yep, parents yep, yep, are involved yep, yep. in a car accident. It kills the mom and leaves the dad by himself. Needing around the clock care. Right. I do. Yes. Okay. Now I do remember. When you said the accident at first, I thought we were talking about the um, the one with Pratt. And I was no, like, no, 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 I was no. like, that feels that's way off. No, that's season nine, I think. Season ten, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what happens next, Lauren? Uh, Benton comes down and asks if Cleo paged him, and. She did because a previous patient of his is back with Mets of the Spine. She was a breast cancer patient who has progressed and is worse now. And Cleo thought that he'd want to know uh, her pharmacy doesn't carry narcotics anymore because of all the robberies. And Cleo asks if they can admit her for pain control. And this woman's name is Debbie. Yep. And uh, Debbie here is played by actress Janelle Allen, who appeared in stuff like Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, The Midnight Hour, and must be a real good friend of Ellen Crawford's because she appears in three episodes of Boomers. Well, yeah. Recurring role on Boomers. Not just, <laughs> not just a <laughs> not guest. Not just a guest star, a recurring role recurring. on Boomers. Uh, and she will also be returning to us as another character in 2003. So we'll have to keep an eye out for her uh, in season, what, nine? Uh, so... Uh, but for now, we go over to Mark and Lizzie chatting about her malpractice suits. Uh, and he's like, you definitely need to talk to risk management. Don't <laughs> don't listen to Romano, uh, because if Romano does, uh, he'll he'll be covering his ass and hanging her out to dry. Uh, and then she mentions that Mark looks exhausted and tells him, don't think about it. Don't worry about it. And you do get a very genuinely sweet line between the two of them here. Where he says, we're getting married. Your problems are my problems. Oh, thank God this show doesn't have like a laugh track or a, like an audience reaction track. <laughs> like, Jesus. Just a, just a Lizzie, Lauren, and Daniel reaction track to right. it at this point. That's what the podcast is. Um, but from there, we find out Carter is still waiting for x-rays for three patients. He's pissed at the backup. Um, Abby complains that Maggie is still sitting in chairs waiting for her. And Maggie insists that she is not going anywhere until she and Abby get to talk. Mm. And things are going really well down at the pharmacy here at County General because a 25-year-old pharmacy tech was found in Central Supply, combative, and can't move his right side and is thrown up everywhere. Uh, his intracranial, increased intracranial pressure, likely a brain bleed, and they find a pipe on him, probably, probably coke or crystal meth. Pretty sure I've seen enough Breaking Bad to identify that as a crystal meth pipe. <laughs> I don't know shit. You watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, though. but I still couldn't tell that's, you. That's fair. You just need to pay attention to more of uh, Jesse's downward spirals when he pulls out the crack pipe. No, I don't think... You know, I have enough useless information or in my head. Pipe. I'm I'm set. Either way, 
Corday and Abby are running the trauma, and Corday gets really dizzy and then pukes. Fun, fun times. So, <sighs> so then Abby's helping, trying to help intubate while Corday is sitting and recovering, and a doctor, another doctor comes in. Chen shows up to help. Uh, Abby manages to do the whole intubation with Chen and Maggie with Chen and Maggie watches, watching through the window. Creep. Seeing how impressive her daughter's job actually is. Creep. Right. <laughs> uh, then we go back to Mr. Floria. His x-ray is normal, but his ultrasound actually shows a huge clot in his leg. Hmm. Hmm. Fuck you, Carter. Uh, he left AMA because he was in so much pain and not getting the help he needed. Oh, look. Reason number 875 why I don't go to the ER for pain control. Yep. Which is so funny because I almost suggested it earlier today and then I realized how much of a waste of time it would be. Nope. Uh, Carter goes running out of the ER looking for him in the pouring rain. This is one of those episodes where the weather is a character in and of itself. Um, and Mr. Floria has collapsed down on the L platform outside the turnstiles. So... Carter calls for a gurney to be brought up since it's like less than a block away. Pulls out that nice, lovely <laughs> Motorola flip phone. Yeah. Early 20th, Motorola. Late 20th century flip phone. You could have just said 90. Oh, no, I guess, yeah. That would have been twenty first, early 21st century. No, because I, I think like technically it's 2001. Okay, we're not we're not the... starting this again. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Carter wheels Mr. Floria in and he orders TPA treatment for the clot. Um, Chuni says that she needs to finish the checklist first and won't administer it until the evaluation is complete. And Carter says fine and just goes to do it himself. Because that's what doctors do when nurses don't comply, is they say, Fuck it, I'll just do it then. YOLO. I was so mad that I didn't remember this scene when we were talking to Chuni and Hale, right. like because this is a genuinely great moment for her that I just completely glossed over and completely forgot about. Actually, stands that she's standing up for herself and yeah, like, like and I'm no, sure I, I'm, I ain't gonna get in fucking trouble for you, bitch. Right, and I'm sure based on you know the the, the conversations we've had with people who had roles of that kind of stature, like they would get excited when they would read a script and see that they had more than the usual bullshit to do. Like, so this had to have been like a big moment for her and like probably a really exciting time for her to be like, Oh, I actually get something to do this week instead of just giving vital signs. So like, I just feel like that would have been a, a cool thing to uh, remind her of. But, uh, but for now we go back to the admin desk. Uh, Randy uh, mentions that the uh, pharmacist, uh, the guy that was brought in earlier, was cooking meth uh, down in the basement pharmacy. Seems like the kind of thing somebody would have noticed. Um, Cle uh, Benton's patient, Debbie, uh, can't be admitted because of her HMO, and Cleo is not thrilled uh, that she's better off without insurance because we'd have to admit her. Uh, one of the many pitfalls of our absolutely perfect, impenetrable 110% great, cannot be improved upon American healthcare. Best system. healthcare in the world. Suck it, everyone else. <sighs> uh, Mark asks Randy uh, how long Maggie is going to be in chairs. And then uh, Carter, keep, keep note of that because that was the last little scene you're going to get of Mark as just Mark Green seasons one through early season seven because now everything changes for Mark after this scene. Nothing is ever the same after this scene. Uh, Carter is working on Mr. Florio when Luca comes in, tells Carter to stop the TPA because he hasn't finished the evaluation for eligibility, uh, and it's a risk for a 
brain bleed and Carter is Carter and Luca both are quite broody in this scene and the homoeroticism is dripping out of the walls I, in I ship them I ship them harder than I ship either of them with Abby I'm just gonna like, throw it out there like when they're she having that, that stare down over the gurney over this patient mm-hmm. I'm just like just fuck already just get it over with like there are just... mm-hmm. like I said I ship both the two of them together harder than either of them with Abby that's all I'm saying so Whose fix of those when? <laughs> no, because a lot of slash fiction ends up being really erotic, and I'm not reading erotica. So whose fix of those when? If, I would do it myself, but I do not have a good reading cadence. I can barely do this podcast. If you, Lizzie, if you help me find a Carter and Kovach fanfic. Why do I have to do it when Gen T is right there? Because you you said on Mike Gen that you T, want it. Gen, so. If Gen T would write it, but she would write it in this weird sci-fi Twin Peaks alternate universe where they're like Even half, they're like half hot doctor, half praying mantis, and uh, Carter. After they do it, Carter's head gets ripped off. Like that, yeah. that'd be the only way yeah. that Gen T would write that. Even better, we adore you. But yeah, no, that that could be your fun contribution to who's fixer those this month. You realize I'm just going to ask the Discord. That's fine. I'm just going to be. Anyway, I will contribute more to the. I'm just really just trying to avoid talking about what happens next because. Uh, uh, so. Oh, oh, I can talk about this one because I had I actually had thoughts about this part. So if you want me to take how uncomfortable this is. Sure. Unless you want to talk about it. Well, let me get through moment. like what's actually happening okay. here, and then you can have your have your shiny thoughts. Okay. So Mark is suturing a woman's hand because mm-hmm. she cut herself chopping celery, like mm-hmm. you do. Um, he starts to get really visibly disoriented. Trust me, I've been there as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know exactly what's going on. Like, is he dissociating? Is he dying? Well, I mean, he is, but... <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. Is he having yeah. a stroke? Yeah. So he sort of, like, sort of mumbles something and walks out of the room and ha- is having, like, visual disturbances as he walks. Like, stuff it, like, is very, like echoey mm-hmm. to him and he does a stroke a little miniature stroke test on himself in the bathroom mirror checking sticking out his tongue holding both of his eyes open doing all of that doing all of that stuff just to make sure that that's not he's not actually immediately in need of care Luca asks him what ask him if he has a minute to talk and he just sort of walks away Oh, I I just need to say, I was convinced this is where he has that huge grand mal seizure because this is exactly how nope. I feel before mine. I was yeah, I was like, oh, I, I've I've lived this. That's definitely a thing that yeah. I'm not looking forward to talk about because it's it Mark. Sucks. I I look, might and it's you. I might have to step out for that part because it's so so much. Like in the notes, I give you full permission just to say Mark has has a seizure. Yep, but. Yeah, I thought that's what was coming with this because no, that's not yet. But that that exact get up and walk away thing, I've completely been there when I'm like, shit, what is my brain doing? Hmm. Even if it's not necessarily a seizure, if it's doing something that it shouldn't be doing, I have had this exact reaction of just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Ugh, God. And they do such a shout out once again to fucking Martin for mm-hmm. this like 
really ominous score underneath it, which is really not much of a score. It's basically just like he just put his fingers down on the keys and just left them there. Like it's like it's this like really low buzzing tone that just kind of stays there. And it's it it really clues you in as the viewer of like not which of course like this is obviously the cinematography and and just everything like this is a different kind of problem than we've ever seen Mark face, and so all of those clues would kind of clue you in anyway that this is this is something bad, but uh, Mark the 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 score underneath of it I think really drives the point home of mm-hmm. like. This is fucking bad. Like, th- th- we're not doing a gag here. Like, we're not doing, oh, Mark ate, you know, pot brownies, and now he's, like, doing yeah, weird da, da, faces da. in the mirror. Yeah, like, it, th- this is... We're not doing a bit here. Like, this is a really fucking bad thing. And uh, the score is really what drives that point home. It's horrifying. And for for Tolly, we're not actually giving out medical advice, but Lauren, uh, you changed uh, the what... Our oh, said. yes, I had the acronym wrong for the, um, for like the stroke test. I had face in there because I wasn't, I was looking at his silly face. It's fast. Got, again, um, folks, not medical advice. But just, just a little pre-911 thing that you can do in the interim that they're going to probably ask you over the phone anyway. Ask the person to smile. Does one side of the face droop? Arms. Ask the person to raise both arms. Does one arm drift downward? Speech. Ask the person to repeat a simple phrase. Is the speech slurred or strange? And time. If you see any of these signs, call 911 right away. So that's why you see Mark making all those faces and like shrugging and stuff is because he's just doing just a small panicked evaluation of, oh my God, am I having a stroke? Right. The more you know. All right. So going from that hugely hugely uplifting we all feel good we feel great don't you feel great daniel i definitely didn't just go lie down for 10 minutes lauren don't you feel great yeah i thought you weren't gonna ask me for a minute and i was real sad no i'm just trying to i feel i feel excellent baron breakfast is out i just got a 10 minute nap nap in between recording we're great i'm just trying to uplift the mood because so it's gonna come crashing right back the fuck down yay Let's go to our next audio clip here. Maggie and Abby finally have their talk. Are you going anywhere tonight? I don't think so. Just stop by. I'm making Thanksgiving dinner for 30. 30 people? How do you do it? Takeout from Chicago chicken served on my good china. Abby, Abby, please talk with me. Please. Please don't do this to me again. All right, all right. I lost my apartment. I've been evicted. I have no place to go. I don't want to hear it. Oh, why are you so damn stubborn? It's called self-protection. I did the best I could. You and Eric all by myself. Oh, excuse me, Mom. We took care of you. You always had a place to stay and food to eat and clothes to wear. I worked hard for that. When you were on your meds. I tried hard to be a good mother. I tried every day. Abby, Abby, can you listen to me? There is a lot of me in you. I see it. Please. Do you know that every night before I went to sleep, I used to pray that you would take your lithium and just... Just normal. You think it was easy for me? It was exciting for us, though, because we never knew what to expect. Would you bring home some loser you picked up in a bar? Or maybe you would just run down our street naked, screaming your head off. Abby, you can hate me. Oh, it's all right to hate me. When I was ten, do you remember that one? I think you're cooking mashed potatoes. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I walked in and you asked me where I'd been, and I said I'd been to visit Dad. And I'll never forget your face. You threw the food on the floor. You chased me around the house with a knife. I would never hurt you, Abby. I I had to lock myself in the whole closet. I remember sitting in there with my Abby, 
pressed up against it the door the so that you couldn't get in. You have to see me. It I'm not just a disease. And then that night you made me sleep beside you. I thought you were asleep. Oh, I couldn't God, sleep. I had to stay awake and look at you. I'm your mother. I'm the only mother you'll ever have. You'll have to deal with it. I was 10 years old. I didn't choose to be sick. You never tried to get better. I can't make things different. That's right. You can't. So now just go home. I like how Lauren raises her hand to talk first as if there was ever any circumstances <laughs> under which that either one of Lizzie or I would have anything <laughs> meaningful to contribute. Yeah, I have nothing to say. Uh, Lauren, the floor is yours. So question, following on our discussion from last week's episode, mm-hmm. um, that's not normal? <laughs> Ha- no, that, that's, having, not, that's not how everybody grew up. No, having a honey. shouting match in the rain with your. Uh... Oh no! I I was I was talking about the childhood. Part. No, I know. I am being facetious. But I yes. know. I know. No, sweetheart. You you guys didn't have to ever shut yourself in another room, afraid of your parent. I was afraid of my brother sometimes, but not but, a parent. Yeah, no. Parents different. Huh. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. That. No. That. That whole, I, I was never chased with a knife, thank God, and my dad never struck us. I want to make that abundantly clear. So that line of, I would never hurt you guys, totally, my dad, 100%. He would get angry, he would throw things, but he never struck us. And he was always adamant, you know, like, I'm never going to hurt you girls. But at the same time, he would have those outbursts. And then that flip side of that, of, you know, like, you made me sleep next to you to prove you were sorry. It never, you know, was necessarily that bad, but there was that flip of that internal guilt that he would have that was then, like, it was also performative after that. Like, right. when we'd have weekends where we'd be at his house where it'd be like he'd have a bad outburst and then the rest of the time was just being smothered trying to make up for it. Right. So, yeah, no, that's not normal? No. No, honey. <laughs> Oh, and that line, it, that line towards the end of like, mm, like you never tried to get better, like mm, just really like, whew, that, uh, that's a, that that one stings. That was a, mm-hmm. ouch. That's a, that's a that one hits a little too close to home. Yeah, because yeah, no matter what, no matter what your loved one is dealing with, that you never tried to get better thing is you know if they haven't been able or willing, I'll say able or willing because some people truly don't necessarily have the wherewithal to find a way to take the steps necessary. But, you know, you were never able to get better or you never tried to get better. No matter who it is, it's always heartbreaking because you love that person. You want them to be okay, both for yourself and for them. Right. And to just have them never pull their shit together, it just... Sucks. Yeah. It ain't great. So this is an excellent scene and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be able so to be good. able to like do that crosstalk uh, so effectively with also with the uh, added obstacle of the pouring rain, like shout out mm-hmm. to both of them for being able to like choreograph that so and well. that sound design, right? Just yeah, it's almost like the 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 rain is a little bit of a metaphor in that sense of like because it is just everything kind of coming mm-hmm. out of Abby all at once, like mm-hmm. so good. I love you. I love you too. Is this going to turn into boy howdy? We understand Lauren so much better by the time <laughs> Sally Field's story is done. Well, I knew most. Well, of you this you knew already. it, but like seeing it illustrated in con- in conjunction with something that we're actively um, dissecting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you you know pretty much all of it. You've known 
from very early on, but... Uh, what happens next? A complete tonal <laughs> shift. Uh, Ka- Carrie in the shower having an adorable little jam sesh to rescue me, and I love her, and she's adorable, and I'm gay. I, I like and this. I like how uh, this was the point in the episode where I texted to both of you, and I was like, I like how in the entirety of the first third of season seven, literally the only positive thing happening in any of these people's lives is Carrie Weaver's gay awakening. <laughs> like yep. she's just living her best life here, learning about herself. And like everyone else is just having a real fucking bummer of a time. Like <laughs> there is literally not her. a single other character that's having a, a good time in season seven, other than Carrie, at least up to this point. But bro, have you seen women? They're fucking beautiful. I mean, Laura Innes said it herself. She was like, they always yeah. they always gave me really hot girlfriends. So, you know. I had that exact thought when, when the scene came on. It, she, she was like, Carrie's girlfriends were fucking hot. Right? I had that I, I like, had yep. that <laughs> thought in my mind. And then I had the, like, the, as she's in the shower, like, doing her hair, the, I had the everybody wants to fuck me story playing yep. in my head. Yep. <laughs> it's just like. I'd want to fuck me. Oh, yeah, my or God. It was. What oh. a gem of a woman she is. Pure Michigan. Um, but then from there, again, another 180, Jesus Christ, this episode, we find Mark talking to one of the radiologists, not Steve, about what happened, and... Why isn't it Steve? Come on, people. This could have been... Steve was unavailable that week. But maybe Steve was on vacation, but he's going to get an MRI. Just, just quick pop in, use your, uh, use your hospital discount and just go get an MRI on your lunch hour. Sure, why not? Oh, yeah. It takes me seeing a specialist three or four times before I can actually get an order for an MRI. But Mark has one little dissociative episode. <laughs> one little episode. Dissociates in a bathroom one time and jumps to the front but, of the line. But who is this uh, strange radiologist that is not Steve? Yeah, radiologist Phil, uh, who is uh, making his first of two appearances here, played by actor Christopher John Fields. He appeared in stuff like Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, and Stargate. Uh, and if he sees his shadow in that MRI, Mark's got cancer for six more years. Uh, <laughs> radiologist Phil, Puxitani Phil. Is, got, is that, is that just a Northeast yeah. thing? Okay, I don't know. No, no, it's not. No, that's, uh, I've seen uh, Groundhog Day. There you go. Groundhog Day is also just a thing. But... I know. No, but I've, I've seen the movie. <laughs> anyway. The movie's uh, excellent. Uh, Lizzie then gets a pregnancy test from Chen. And, oh, my God, she's pregnant. And she's like, can we take a serum test to be sure? I can't be pregnant. Well, I can be pregnant, but um, she says she had a period last month, uh, to which Chen responds, it was likely just breakthrough bleeding because you're pregnant. Let's get you an ultrasound. Uh, Going back to the MRI thing, too. Sorry. That was, no, that's okay. Just, uh, it was a, uh, like, as somebody who's like a little bit claustrophobic, oh, <laughs> like that whole se- and again, I think they I think they bring the same score back to like the kind of buzzing, ominous tone score. Like I would, mm, mm, not great. And he's got the birdcage thing on his face. Like it's just like mm, this sucks. I hate this. Not looking forward to getting my getting one of those done on me next week. I definitely haven't been putting a set off for a year and a half or a year that my epileptologist wanted me to get to rule some stuff out because I don't want to do he he wants a full spine with and without contrast that is my nightmare that is so much time in that MRI I do not want to tell them I'm sure they could I'm sure they have a procedure available 
for someone like you. <laughs> but I'm nervous about taking any drugs because what if it messes with my seizure medication? Lizzie, it's so hard to be me. Anxiety is not... My, my brain lies to me on the weirdest stuff. That is one of them. Well, you know who else it's hard to be? Mark. Yep, there you go. I walked you right into that. Go ahead. Because guess who else has something growing inside of him? Oh, God! Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, God. Mark. Not our listenership anymore. One uh. Mark Green has a 3.5 centimeter mass in his frontal cortex. Uh, cortex, not cortex. Either way, uh, the radiologist says Mark needs to see a neurosurgeon yesterday. Uh, sorry, that was a really that was dark... excellent. Nope, that's fine. Uh, sorry. I mean, it, it, there's no like we're gonna have to figure out how to how to deal with this because this is only I gonna did, get worse. I was talking to one of my coworkers because we were looking. Lizzie and I were looking ahead at the episodes that are coming up. And so I was talking to one of my coworkers who's never seen the show, but I was like, we are about on the heavy, one of the heaviest stretches of this show that we're about to be on. Yeah. And I'm not ready. There's not very much in the way of happy things that ha- like pretty much, pretty much Jerry coming back in the middle of next season is like the only happy thing that's going to happen over the next like season and a half. Uh, so look forward to that. Look uh, forward to the Frank and Jerry show, everyone. Right. Woo! But for now, let's go back and check in on Carrie Weaver's gay euphoria uh, as she's uh, out to dinner (laughs) having a great time uh, with Kim. And she mentions at this point having a husband uh, or or at least the fact that she was married before, um, which I guess at this point in time could only mean a husband. Uh, Thanks. No, she I think she says her husband. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, this is both the first and last time that that will ever be mentioned. Like that, they never ever refer to that as part of Carrie's backstory ever again. So it could be just that maybe she made that up in the spur of the moment as like a sort of quasi defense mechanism. Because as we'll find out as we go later into the season, she's clearly kind of either unaware of or struggling with her sexuality. Um, but or maybe that was just another like Doug Ross's son kind of thing of like we're just going to like jettison this into the ether after one or two mentions. Who knows. Uh but and it is also clear that they are both white girl wasted as Lauren put it in the notes. Um, yep. So that also might play into it as well. Maybe she's just a little tipsy and telling fun stories. Who knows. Uh but we go back to the lounge where Mark is sitting in there when Chen comes in and uh heads he heads which one of them heads up they well, uh chen's like oh my god like she's like are you okay and he goes yep and then he leaves uh, he yeah, just like he's... it's the most pointless scene ever man's real catatonic at this point <laughs> just got a bomb dropped on his head uh but uh carter uh so we we go back out and see carter and abby talking carter offers to help abby with her mom and uh abby has to go tell her patient to stop smoking and then she says that something smells weird and Maggie approaches Carter and asks Carter to talk to Abby for her, and then the room Abby was in explodes. I was really excited about this because uh, this was, I don't think either one of you were on that interview with me, but um, the assistant director person we talked to, Robin, uh, Mm -hmm. she specifically uh, talked about this scene and how it was her job to push the button, or, or not to push the button, but it was her job to give the cue to the guy with the button to make this explode and the way that everything was set up they had like one maybe two chances at it like it was like it was like well, yeah you're blowing up part of the er right so it was like if you fuck this up 
it's going to put us really, really behind. So don't fuck this up. And obviously they didn't, uh, even though yeah. if you watch it, uh, Noah Wiley does flinch like half a second early. Like he flinches like he knows something's coming maybe just a half a second early. It does. It's a very, it's an excellent it's, effect. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent effect. So uh, Maggie and Carter are both yelling for Abby and they isolate the fire and Carter starts to treat Abby. Oof. Who much like Meredith Grey. Is nope. I'm going to stop you right there. Lauren, explosions. what happens next? <laughs> uh, Chen is looking into her parents' kitchen from the pouring rain because she's decided to go, you know, see them and see the family and everything. She comes in and says hi to her mom, and she's a, and um, she's like, "Oh, where's Papa?" Or whatever, and mom's like, "Oh, I can go get him." You know, he doesn't know yet, and I love how Chen's like, "Wait, he doesn't know," and her mom's like, "Well, no, you asked me not to tell him, so I didn't tell him. Give us, give us some credit, like." We'll be okay with it. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Chen goes, will you love the baby if the father is black? Whipped out the and uno reverse on her mother right there. Yep. Like, oh, her what mom, now? Just, hell freezes over. Her mom freezes. And just Chen reads everything on her mom's face and is like, mm-hmm. That's why I didn't tell you. And leaves. See, folks, remember, it's not just white people who can be racist. And it's and it's totally fine to excommunicate your racist family members uh, Mm -hmm. if they're racist. Just leave. You don't have to be friends with them. Uh, I would like to point out uh, just from the again, maybe not why did they bother, but just like attention to detail department. Uh, If you'll recall in Chen, it may not be a one. I didn't go back to do the the, like side by side comparison, but I'm pretty sure this is damn close to the set that was used as the Chen family residence back in season one when Chen left for the first time, like with the, with the white wood uh, stuff on the doors and stuff like rich people housing. Like it it was very similar. It might, like I said, might not have been a one-to-one exact match, but it's pretty damn close. So like kudos to the, whoever's in charge of continuity. Like they were paying attention on that one. Yep. Uh, And then Malucci asks what started that fire. And we learned that it was ether from the meth lab that was being run in the basement because they were using IV bags to store the ether and transport it without getting caught. And this one got mixed up with the general supply. Yikes. Oops. And uh, the fire chief says he has 10 minutes to transfer the two critical patients that are still in the ER because they're, you know, shutting down the department while they clean everything up. Just and... just one of the best bits of long-running continuity mm-hmm. in this show is that we have the same fucking fire captain who shows yep. up like once every 18 months when they blow up another piece of this fucking ER, and he's the same guy trudging in, carrying his boots, putting out the fucking fire, and he's going to be here for like three more years. Like, we have like two more appearances of this guy. Yep. <laughs> he's been showing up since season three or four, I think. A lot of shit happens in that ER. Yep. It requires a fire chief. And uh, then Carter insists on a chest ray for Abby, and she is super cranky about it. Luca comes in and checks on her while Carter's treating her, and Luca and Carter have a dick-wagging contest about the t- about uh, Mr. Floria and his status and how the TPA worked. And they just glare over Abby. Signs of things to come. If they remade, cool. if they remade ER in 2022, this would be a polycule. Like yeah. this, they, they would just all it would be a throuple. Like, they yeah. would all yeah. just be together. Yep. 
Just just like I'm going to say this for one listener out there. Just like Lizzie and the Bald Boys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's for one person. It's fine. Coming soon to whose fix are those? I've already read a Lizzie and the Bald Boys fic. You'd know if you listened to it. Oh. 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 That was good. A spicier version coming soon too. You know, you got me there. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't have a link to the Patreon stuff. Yeah, that's why. Sure. Yeah, that's. It's why. not because you don't live with me and have to hear this voice every day, Lizzie. What's our next audio clip? Okay, awakenings for everyone. Yay! Kim and Carrie continue their dinner and have are having a very intense conversation. He was staring up at me from the pavement, and with every breath, I could see frosted cloud from his mouth get smaller I just talked to him tried to reassure him and I held his hand until he died the ambulance never came he was gone by the time they got there oh my god what what happened to the the driver who hit him not enough (laughs) He was drunk, but this was 19 years ago. They um, revoked his license for a while and had him pick up trash on Saturday or something. Wow. (laughs) I certainly got us off on a very depressing tangent, didn't I? I think we're gonna close this place down. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no. taking care of this. No, no, no. Hey, no, no, let me. No, you paid last time. Come on. Why don't, you know what? Why don't we just split it? I got it. Thank you. You know, this is our second meal together. Some people might consider a second dinner a date. A date. You do know I'm gay, of right? Of course I do. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I have, I have gay friends. Oh. oh, I'm sorry, Carrie. I misread this. No, I mean, I didn't... I, I, I'm so sorry if I gave you the wrong impression. It's just that you called me down for eight psych consults yeah, in the I, past week. I, we work well together. My instincts are usually a lot more reliable. You know what, I'm... I'm thank you. You know, and I'm really very flattered. It's just that I'm, uh, I mean, gosh, you're such a beautiful woman. You're... You're so beautiful. But I'm I I'm straight. I mean, I don't I'm straight. Okay. Oh god. Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's to me. I mean, I'm sorry. I just uh, I don't uh I feel very <sighs> I'm You know what? I'm I just I mean, I I guess I never even really considered this. I thought of another Laura Innes line while that clip was playing and just made me laugh. It was, you, you can't kill me off because I'm a lesbian who's mean sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> just because like this, oh. like this is the beginning of a like really excellent part of the Carrie Weaver arc, but it also leads to really painful stuff in her character arc mm-hmm. as well. So it's like, I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm really happy for her because this is a, this is a excellent way to take her character and it's great for her character but at the same time it is network television in the early 2000s and they are absolutely going to kill the gays (laughs) so like you know eh, 
you, you, you win I, some, you lose see some. At least my, you see, if not my least favorite, like one, like bottom five storylines in the entire in the entire series. What is the what happens? Oh what, God, what I thought killing? you meant her gay no, no, awakening. No, 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 no. Carrie is wonderful, beautiful, gay lesbians, awesome. Yeah, like, I mean, just on the beautiful. on the on the, but just sh- everything that happens be. Of it. Right. On the strength of a singular so on the strength of a singular creative choice, which is to, you know, kill off her wife. Uh that like again, it's one of those things where like it leads to some excellent performances, but it is still a shitty creative choice that yeah. could have been avoided. And it's, you know, not to mention the fact that it's just kind of a straight rehash of season 2, but you know, it's besides the point. The other thing I was going to say is, Lizzie, from now on, uh, when when we say I love you, I'm just going to respond with, we work well together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I just, okay. Right. I'm just going to put Thanks. it this way. Nice, to, nice talk, Rumi. Yeah, no. no the, I'll put it this way. Carrie's reaction um, when... Kim thinks she's gay was my reaction when I realized Lizzie actually wanted to date me and nobody had ever wanted to date me before. See, <laughs> so I was just like, okay. I need to make a meme because I'm bad. At, I'm bad at making memes. So Daniel, you need to do this. <laughs> I'm giving you some homework. You need to make a meme of like that, uh, that vine, that, that woman, that girl who is like, does like, she tastes the thing. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, no. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yep, sure. Kombucha girl. Because that's basically Carrie in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is sort of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And the way she starts, uh, yeah, she's like, I have, I have gay friends. Folks, don't ever start your defense with anything of I have, I have blank friends, <laughs> because no. whatever it is, you- no, just don't. That is not the, that is not the defense that you think it is. Oh my god. Uh, which actually carries very well into our next clip too. Yeah, it it really does. The fun never stops. Uh, ben and Cleo are on their way to her family's house. You haven't said a word since we left the hospital. We can't talk to each other. That's what people do in relationships. All right. I'm pissed that Romano's docking my pay for punching Malucci. That better? You should be furious. Malucci was way out of line. Not that I'm surprised. What's that supposed to mean? You get docked because Malucci's a jackass. Your nephew gets crappy care because they assume he's a banger. And today our patient couldn't get her meds. Okay, I'm so tired of hearing you go off on this. You need to stop trying to teach everybody how to be black. And you need to face reality. Debbie Marlin couldn't get the pain medication she needed today because her pharmacy was in a black neighborhood. You grew up in the suburbs. What the hell do you know about that woman's problem? What, and I can't relate because I wasn't poor? No, I'm just saying, you know what? I know who I am. I don't have anything to prove. And I do because my mother's white. I didn't say that. Where you going? I'm getting off. This isn't our stop. It's mine. I don't want to see you tonight. Cleo, we're supposed to be going to your cousin's. Uh, I just want to note the dumb thing that I noticed while this was going on is Reese dropped his toy. I'm so glad that you you saw that because I, I did. I had the same. I had the exact same thing as I was watching it. I, I was like so distracted by the fact that he dropped his toy and no one picks it up that I was like, 
oh no, I can't focus on the scene. <laughs> like, I'm too worried about Reese's toy. Somebody get Reese's toy. But also I have to say, going back to this, this is something I think I had touched on before with Cleo was that like, she's pointing out systemic racism left and right. Mm-hmm. And Benton's not seeing it. We don't really see her, you know, talk to any other characters about it. So in a, in this is one of those moments in a 2022 lens, which feels weird to say, considering when we started, it was a 2019 lens, but in a 2022 lens, yeah, this is discussions that are happening all over everywhere right. about the healthcare system and everything. So it's just very interesting to see, you know, they're talking about this 20 years ago. Right. And I think, I think it's a case of them not realizing that in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think they've actually hit upon something really profound and really like mm-hmm. way ahead, even further ahead of the curve than, the, than we usually give this show credit for being that they could have. And, and in my opinion should have, I think made this the central kind of, aspect of Cleo's character and I dare say that it probably would have made Cleo an even more derided character at the fandom at large than she already is like people already don't really like Cleo yeah uh, and if they'd have made her the systemic racism mascot I feel like they would have hated her even more than they already do but I think it would have made her an infinitely more interesting character than she is yeah because it would have been the aggressive black woman trope right that any woman who speaks her mind any black woman who speaks her mind yeah is of course out of line and too angry and that that is sort of the ugly truth of her character is that the only reason her character gets spared from a lot of the same vitriol that other characters get is just simply because of the fact that she doesn't get that much to do or say right. and so like if you'd have actually taken this ball and run with it because they're going to play with this storyline a little bit more throughout the rest of the season but Cleo's involvement with it is is largely over with like Cleo's part in the story is largely it it, kind of shifts more to just Benton and Romano and we don't really deal so much with Cleo's feelings on the whole matter so like if you'd have taken that and really made that kind of a central conflict of her character and, and her her observing this in her career and in her surroundings, but also being not being unafraid to speak up about it. I feel like mm-hmm. you would have made that character 10 times more interesting than she is as, as is. Well, especially with the extra layer that I completely forgot about that. She's mixed race. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much that I feel like there's so much untapped potential there that on one hand, I, I sort of am sad that we didn't get to see that potential realized. And then on, on the other hand, like I said, I can just see how that would go with the larger fan base of just like they would they would have been really shitty to her. The actress, I mean, like the, the, yeah. the actress would have gotten a lot of shit for that. And I'm just like, what's the balancing act between those two? Yeah. So, yeah, I just I think that's about as qualified as we are to talk about this. Yeah, as, I know. I know when folks, we get to the but... the listener response, I know Aaron had something to say about it, so we'll we'll get into it when we get there. But good, okay. Um, but to to close out the episode, last couple scenes here. Uh, Carter shows Abby her films. Uh, looks like everything's okay. Just a, a little crack in a rib, no big deal. Uh, we see Maggie waiting in chairs for Abby, and uh, Abby finally reluctantly waves her to come along and come home. Um, and then we finish up with uh, Lizzie getting home to Mark cooking. And uh, <laughs> Lizzie says, I've never had a deck to grill on before. It makes me feel very American. <laughs> uh, and so you can see that Mark is very conflicted here. And I think 
had Lizzie not said what she's about to say, he was going to break the news to her. Uh, but because she sort of jumps in and tells him that she's pregnant and shows him the ultrasound, which shout out to Anthony Edwards, excellent face acting for that revelation. Mm. Like you can just see all the thoughts that are in his head. And then that, that moment of realization when she says the words and see, he sees the ultrasound and like, it's just really good. And then, and you can almost see him internally putting those other thoughts away. Like you can mm-hmm. see him like stashing that stuff in another part of his head. Um, and you know, it's a very sweet moment. We get some, I love yous and stuff. And of course he doesn't tell her shit. Uh, and we fade to black. Another fucking jam packed episode. Yep. Like, holy I, shit. I'm going to say eight and a half. Yeah. It was solid. I I love most of the storylines that are covered in here. It's all done very well. It's an excellent follow-up to the introduction of Maggie last episode. Yeah. Um I I don't really have any big gripes about it, honestly. I think no, there's a lot of powerhouse acting going on mm-hmm. in this episode and for I would give it a 10, but it's just so goddamn dark. Yeah. Yeah. So many things. It is. It is a very dark hit episode. A little bit too close to home. Very dark episode, and like I think it, I think it's sort of, um, sort of bold almost to make such a dark episode after the last one was also kind of dark, and like there, this is advanced darkness. right? Like there, there feels like there would almost be this impulse to like let off the gas a little bit after the last episode. Like you had this big introduction of Maggie, and you know everything Benton goes through, and like obviously you got to follow up on that to some degree, but I think there would be in other seasons, there would be this impulse to be like, okay, we can't hit them too hard. Like we can't, we can't take them when they're down and then kick them in the face. And that's exactly what they do. Like you're, you're still down in the dirt from last episode and they immediately kick you in the face with like all this like bad shit and then sprinkle a little good stuff on you at the end of like, Oh, Lizzie's pregnant by the way. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah. And and, and Carrie's gay. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's little, little things they sprinkle in to just like give you a little bit of hope, but everything else is just like, Oh God. It's a, it's a fucking bummer, but it's a well done bummer. (laughs) Well done bummer. That's, that's what I want on my headstone. (laughs) A well done bummer. That was my nickname in high school. There it is. I've never been more proud. Oh, I try. What do the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? Uh, Allie M says, This is about the time of the show where I start disliking Abby, so I'll restrain myself, except to say I still don't like how she treats Maggie with such coldness and disrespect by dropping her off in the rain on Thanksgiving Day. It felt so low it felt low to do on a holiday, and she should have just dealt with it for another day or so. Lauren here editorializing, I'm gonna have to politely disagree, um, but to each their own. Uh, now on to Mark and Elizabeth. I'm such a huge fan of them, and I hate that they're never really allowed to be happy. She should be celebrating her pregnancy, and instead Mark finds out he has a tumor, and she gets sued for malpractice. But I thought it was sweet when he said, we're engaged, your problems are my problems, which is assuring how in love they are. On a lighter note, there is a great blooper from this episode where Elizabeth tells Mark Romano is the father of the baby, to which Mark responds, I love him too. <laughs> it's great for a laugh and to forget the anguish Green Day are otherwise facing. Sarah B. says, As much as I love Elizabeth Corday, can I just say why is she shocked she's getting sued? Lady, your background is ortho and trauma, not neurosurgery. This was definitely a fuck around and find out scenario for her. It's also one of the more blatant writing moments where I wonder if anyone in the medical field was even consulted. Back surgery is done by neuro because of how close you get to the spinal column. 
Excellent catch. I did not even pick that up. Yeah. Lauren editorializing. Um, if the writers had looked at a CT of someone's back with any kind of disc issues, they would know. I get that sometimes the show will sacrifice some of the medical for the storyline, but did we really have to go to Corday get sued for doing a surgery that isn't her specialty? And the actual surgery itself, yes, it's outpatient, but damn, when my husband had a very similar surgery, he was not lucid at all. When they asked if he wanted a pain shot for the road, he said only if it's a single ball. <laughs> nice. I, uh, at least, you know, last episode, of course, was where the actual surgery took place. So I can't speak to, uh, I think that was John Wells who wrote that episode, who, mm. you know, I feel like he probably would have been consulting some kind of medical yeah. person or whatever but at least this episode with neil bear neil bear is actually a physician himself so yeah. like i feel like he probably at least had some working knowledge of that so i don't know yeah. it's, it's tough to say at leah 1989 says i always loved the perfect use of overlapping dialogue in that bay rain scene as those two go toe to toe pouring out their own truths and grievances but not really listening to one another felt so realistic and I thought that seemingly random moment with Abby and Luca, with Abby asking Luca, do you think it'll ever stop, was symbolic in context. When he asks what she means, she says the rain. Yet I always felt she was thinking out loud about her struggles. But more broadly, everyone also feels caught in a downpour that won't quit. Sorry, Abby, the rain isn't stopping anytime soon, so keep that umbrella handy. You'll need it. Actually, everyone will. Sigh. And last, but certainly not least, at the full-time dad says, we've arrived at the part where Abby begins her run as the ER's punching bag. Let's count. She gets injured in two explosions, gets kidnapped by gangsters, gives birth prematurely after getting caught in the crosshairs of a shootout, gets punched in the face by a wife beater, loses her uterus, gets held up at gunpoint by Forrest Whitaker, falls off the wagon. I mean, can my girl get a break? Let's also not forget she's uh, sexually assaulted, too. Uh, yeah, there, he put a little thing in there about that. I, yeah. I might have editorialized the wording by just taking it out uh, to avoid okay. that, but that's fine. Cool. I'm just, if we're listing it, I'm listing it. Um, nah, but seriously, I loved this episode. There's a lot to digest, but they managed to not miss a beat on any of the storylines. And as you've all likely discussed, there's a lot of heavy lifting done in this episode. Aaron, it's like you know us. I want to focus my last bit of commentary on what I found was a big missed opportunity for Cleo and Benton with their subway conversation. I thought Michael Michelle's commentary here was so important and necessary and a true reflection of the black experience in the healthcare system. The fact that Benton gets to carry the storyline somewhat through, but Cleo's involvement with it ends here is disappointing. It's one of those moments where I felt they could have truly elevated Cleo's character, and the fact it didn't is one of the reasons I feel like she represents one of the show's biggest missed opportunities, despite her still being a solid character in the canon. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. There's more and more of you each month. We love to see it, folks. Uh, for only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 50 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And the aforementioned Who's Fix of Those, where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. 
Possibly some slash fiction. I don't. Is that what's is that? That is that is male on male romantic. Okay. I don't. Fan fiction. I don't know if that's if it's inherently pornographic or if there's. It, it often is. Or if there, there's PG thirteen slash fiction. There is plenty of fluff fiction out there, but it is usually more explicit in nature. This was more your realm when you were doing stuff. Uh, yes, teenage Lauren was well versed in slash fiction. She has the biggest grin on her face right now. I sure do. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Say the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Say the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter, screaming about bear and breakfast because it's too fucking cute, at lobob92345. I am a bear running a bed and breakfast. I'm playing Fallout 4 for the 80th time. That's that's what I'm doing. Uh, so you can find me not tweeting about Fallout because I've played so much of it goddamn much before. Um, on my personal Twitter, I'm at randomgamer, that's G-A-M-3-R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week. Bye.